Welcome to Stream Detroit. This is the Big Digital Thinkers, Episode 6. I'm your host, Mike McClintock, with Brad Fox. Uh, today we've got Phil Rezepka on the show. He's the Senior Vice President, Head of Global Innovation at Kara. He's also the uh, President of AdCraft Club of Detroit. Fresh in from the Consumer Electronics Show. Welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Should be fun. Yeah, it is kind of fun. <laughs> and right, right, now on, and again. right on cue. There goes the people mover. And there Every goes time. the people mover, Every no matter time. what. Is that tradition? You guys did that for the me? The people move. Yeah, exactly. You know how <laughs> hard it is it. to time that? You know? <laughs> and if, 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 yeah, we could have been off by 10 more seconds. We would have had to wait like three and a half minutes wow, for perfect. it to come by. Fantastic. Um, well, it's yeah. tradition. We also, we always have uh, some construction noise. We have the uh, people mover going by. And since we're in Studio 3AB4 tonight, uh, we're also going to have the, uh, the toilet flush noise. Excellent. That Excellent. comes in through, you know, this vast network. HVAC? HVAC, will that start at some point? Or is that Probably, okay. but we'll edit that out. It'll cool. be okay. So Perfect. Yeah, so thanks for coming on. What uh, What exactly does a global innovation cheap person do? <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to figure that out, actually. Really? So it's, it's a pretty new role. It's only been a, a couple months so far. Um, formerly, I was the head of digital at uh, mm -hmm. Kara, so about the last roughly three years. I've been responsible for all the planning and buying, basically, for mm -hmm. stewarding all of General Motors' uh, digital business, essentially. Um, so it's, it's not that much of a leap to head from innovation from doing all of the digital, you know, uh, overseeing the teams that do the planning and buying. Uh, so right now, it's, it's just about, you know, really making sure that, uh, you know, GM never falls behind, quite honestly, in terms right. of knowing what the consumers do. Uh, we, we're a very consumer-focused organization, so we really watch, you know, what what consumers are doing in different countries around the world. Uh, we have a pretty steep practice in, in, in really understanding people and really understanding how to get the marketing out there to them and, and break through. Uh, so essentially, you know, it's my job to find the cool stuff. It's to, find, to make sure that, you know, as there's changes in the marketplace mm -hmm. and the landscape, that GM is at the forefront of that, if not, you know, leading that. So globally, obviously, yeah. You got you probably do you know Chinese yet? I don't. No. You're going to try <laughs> we'll to learn. We'll, we'll try to learn it. Yeah. Fortunately, most people uh, that we work with speak English or I I heard so. they sell cars in China. Uh, they do. I they heard do. that uh, that can we say Buick out loud? Yeah, you can say. Oh, okay. Sure. I heard I heard that that uh, Buick is the is like the best brand in all of China. Nice. That that's like that's the that's the, the aspiration. That's, that's the, aspiration the aspirational vehicle. brand in China is everybody wants a Buick. Yeah, I think each each market you know has its own nuance. So I think uh, mm -hmm. you know really. Is China going to be a big that. market? You think anywhere in the world? I'm being, <laughs> I think it's going to be big. <laughs> right. I have a feeling <laughs> for placing yeah. bets. Uh, I think Plastics, I'll, right? Yeah, exactly. Plastics. Exactly. I would think there's a small startup, uh, Alibaba. That I think that you know is proving that. Yeah, they kind of do something with yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah, they made more, what, what was it, stat, more in 20 days or something than Amazon's made so far. <laughs> something yeah, like that. There was right. a headline. Well, I, we would, I don't even think we'd have similar. Amazon anymore if it wasn't for Alibaba. I mean, isn't that pretty much the entire business model now? Just show up in your garage with a laptop, go on Alibaba, find drones something. And drones. Find there some drones, drones on Alibaba and sell them on Amazon. <laughs> Start shipping things everywhere. Right. It's Amazon. just like an arbitrage play between, you know, advertise it for 20 cents and, and sell it for 21 cents. There's a lot of big markets out there that, uh, you know, we're going to have to definitely do our part. So, yep. So you just went to the Consumer Electronics Show 
Anything interesting happened there? Probably nothing, right? There was probably you were probably bored was to death. Bored, There's yeah. nothing there going on. There were no on. meetings from eight a.m. until two a.m. No, but, uh, right, none of that. No, I think I think you know it's a really interesting time right now, and and you know, in technology. I think Is being it? down in down in Vegas, seeing that. Uh -huh. uh, I mean, you guys have a radio show here, right? So, um, <laughs> All in favor of going to see yes next year, say aye. Oh, we should, yeah. Aye. Yeah, I have it. We should we're do going. our podcast from from Vegas. Yeah, there we was should some... we should have the Phil Rizepka. Top best stuff from CES and That's the bottom one. stuff. Yeah, we could do that. Was there some duds? Yeah, there's some duds. Yeah. You know, but some of the things that even people thought were going to be duds, like actually start to make sense, like in some of these, you know, things, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, like one of the, like, I think probably overall, like the the thing of the show was the sensors. It was sensors and everything, right? Okay. It was about you know. And everybody talks about the crock pot, talking to the you know microwave, talking to the doorbell, you know, and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it really was like last year and the year before. It was more of uh, it was more about the Internet of every. It was it was more about the Internet of Things, right? Mm -hmm. It was connecting your phone to all. You right. can control everything from an app and different. You know, one app for one thing. Then it's kind of becoming one app for all these different things, right? But then, like the next step, everybody started talking about this year was, uh, you know, it was really like. You know, it was the internet of everything. So it was about these things talking to each other without you having to be in the middle of it. So okay. uh, it was really so interesting. Your crockpot's yeah. going to order pizza? Well, no, it's not so much that. Maybe if it burned, that's if it burned itself, idea. like it could order you a pizza. Why would right? that even be a... Just because you can doesn't mean you should. This right. is true. This is a good filter, right? I'm going to cross that off there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep going down the list. That's never gonna work. Um, but you know, I mean, there was there were sensors like in everything. It was it was in wearables. It was in you know watches. It was in uh, athletic performance wear. Yeah. It was in slippers. It was in all these different things. Uh, a lot of it related to health and wellness, but you know, okay. not all of it, right? So um, the the interesting thing was that all of this you know monitoring, all this stuff was becoming invisible this year, which mm -hmm. was really like one of the big trends. So. Uh, the fashion industry and, and consumer electronics kind of collided. So we used to see everybody with their Fitbit or their tracker. Right. You knew what they were doing, right? Mm -hmm. You were like, oh, they're tracking their steps, trying to lose weight, trying to do whatever. Um, it's all becoming really invisible. It's like a very nice watch. It's you know hidden in crystals and things that you hang from your neck and Swarovski and I think you have that up there, right? Swarovski. Uh, Swarovski. How, how do you say, how that? say it? Swarovski. I think of the Saturday. I think we, I think we all put your name well. We'll that, that, thing up. Up there, that thing up there, right? That thing up there. That Saturday Night Live skit was funny. But they, what they do is they're, you know, they're really starting to form these partnerships with the fashion industry to, to make this stuff uh, more invisible, I think. So okay. it, it, that was a pretty interesting trend uh, that we saw there. Um, you know, the health and wellness stuff, it's really a lot about monitoring. Uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, sleep. So I must have heard that on two or three different tours uh, where it was, you know, apparently... I don't know if this is true or scientific, but what we were told was uh, that when you're in your different sleep patterns, mm -hmm. like how you come out of that sleep pattern, when mm -hmm. you're in shallow sleep, really affects your day and affects your energy throughout the day and all this. So a lot of people are starting to try to tap into that mm -hmm. and, and start to understand that. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of heart rate. It seems like there was a race for heart rate. Everybody wanted to like understand your heart rate and who had better technology, whether it was light pulsing or you know little sensors or things like that. Um, so a lot of this around you know health and wellness. So then you sort of had like the home was the other big category, and you know it was 
you know, if somebody rang the doorbell, it took a picture and sent you a text somewhere, wherever you were, or it was a really interesting... No uh, more peepholes and doors, or is that kind of the yeah, idea? Yeah, it's done. It's just on your phone, right? So, mm-hmm. um, or not even on your phone, right? There, there was one technology we saw, and it was a video camera in the house. And what they did was uh, the video camera uh, essentially, like, monitored all the ongoing activity. But when a new person showed up that it didn't have facial recognition for, it would send you a text. So... You know, it was a father of a freshman daughter in high school. You could see the advantage wow. of something like that. Yeah. Who Boy comes this? over, and right. all of a sudden, you know, I get a text. Release the hounds. Says, Here's what it is. Somebody, somebody strange that. is in the house, right? You hook so, it up to the dog house. You could. Release the door. It opens the dog <laughs> right. out, right? So, um, but no, yeah, I mean, you start to think about all this different technology and how it connects. And, you know, and still, you know, we went through a lot of tours, and we met with a lot of people, and... And we were talking about, you know, what does it mean and how does it work? And everybody mm-hmm. tries to connect it to cars for us. And, you know, as you as you pull a car in and it connects with the house and, you know, does all this stuff. Um, but somebody else took another take at it. And, and um, they were just talking about, like, the consumer, right? And I think that's what, you know, our company does best is really start to understand consumers. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, you'd be surprised at, like, how predictable people are, right? Like, that you do the same thing every morning. So you... You know, you essentially wake up, you might, you know, check go to Facebook. the restroom, you might check Facebook, you go take a shower, you go get your breakfast, you, uh, you know, might read something on a particular periodical, and mm-hmm. then you uh, you make breakfast for the kids, you send them out the door, you get to your car, like we're almost right. programmed like machines, right? Like, And uh, these these machines can start to learn that, right? Like they're watching you, and like they're essentially, you know, you, right. you have a nest in your house, you have cameras, you have all these things that can sense you. And so instead of, you know, heating the whole home, right, like they can only heat the two rooms that you really go in or instead of doing, you know, all these different things. But, you know, one of the bigger the bigger thing that was pretty eye opening for a lot of us, we had a conversation over dinner about it, uh, was that there's 500 things that you have to do in the morning, like even leaving the house right from the minute you wake up. I mean, you might, you know, Mm -hmm. turn down the heat and you you know, turn off the stove and you, you know, make sure the door is locked and you put the dog food out and you do all this stuff, like, oh, that's a linear progression, right? Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of that could be automated when these things start to talk to each other so that all of that comes out of your life and you're just freed up. You just wake up, have your breakfast, kind of, it might be already made, you know, the coffee. It's talks the Jetsons. To, yeah, it's kind of cool. Right? Or but this is here, like, this, yeah. this is like pretty here, right. pretty much here. You Was know? there a flying car? There was no flying car. What I read was anybody that, pissed off cool. about that? Nobody was pissed that I heard. Everybody okay. was pretty excited about the self-driving cars and that whole okay. technology. So that's that's kind of maybe that's that the precursor for it. Yeah, it seemed pretty cool. I mean, especially the media publishers. They were like, "It's more time to consume content, right?" Like, you're, oh yeah, you're in a car. You don't have to drive. You pull up a laptop and yeah, and I think, some things. I think that you know, as these things kind of those worlds collide, right? You know, the, mm-hmm. all the, the you know interconnected devices and vehicles and automated, you know vehicles and I think Mike and I talk about that on air and off air but you know the automated vehicles thing I think the 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 applications and the implications for for that technology is is profound because on many levels right so the least of which is somebody who might be either elderly or disabled sure. who can't drive just plug in a coordinate and you go so then you separate it between operator and driver right so you can certainly I think some people are like I want to drive my own car great we'll just flip the switch from operator to driver now you are in charge but I think as these two worlds collide, and that screen in the middle mm-hmm. of the dash is going to be incredibly valuable—not not just for you know for consumers, but for marketers and advertisers and and car makers for that matter, right? Because suddenly our screen is not working properly. Okay, um, in any event, it's really profound. Like when you think about 
all these things that seem that are seemingly disparate, meaning they don't seem to kind of go together, mm -hmm. other than the fact that they're technology, but all that stuff can coexist. You know, can your your house talk to your car? You hear about car to car communication, mm -hmm. and you know, texting the next car over. You know, we definitely hey, need that. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's there. I mean, you know, a lot of the 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 walk before you run type stuff is, you know, the lane changing technology, you know, mm -hmm. it knows if you swerve out it's of your there. lane. It's it won't let you, assist. you know, park assist. It, it won't let you hit the person in front of you because the lasers are hitting the other mm -hmm. car. No. Um, so all of that sort of stuff is. We also say lasers in every show. I didn't mean it. Oh, Did you say lasers? I said I didn't lasers. Yeah, that's so. perfect. Perfect. Sonar, lasers, all the cool yeah. stuff, wow. right? So, um, you know, I think a lot of that stuff is, is you know, there's going to be massive improvements in, in the safety of people and mm -hmm. you know, for you know for humanity before we get to the to the self-driving thing. I mean the self-driving thing is is amazing and it's probably going to be here before we know it. I know Google's logged a lot of miles. You know GM's working on projects like everybody's working. Yeah, on Google Schmoogle. Everybody's don't know how to make a car. This is true. <laughs> Apparently, they, I think it'll be cool. I think they're at like four hundred thousand miles or something. They've already driven on city streets sure. or something like that. I read, but well, they can um, make and make some technology and let the people who make the cars know how to make the cars. Yeah, I think that's you know I, th I think that's the intention for mm -hmm. sure. It should be. It should yeah. be hopefully. Um, but they, you know, I think it's. It's just interesting that you know there's so much going on in that space and and uh, so much advancement you know that's that's really coming our way as as humanity right and I you know if you're it was funny one of the one of the tour guides said you know he's like I don't know if there's uh, if I'm gonna put my money on you know some guy who had two beers and is texting you know <laughs> versus a computer kind of like, yeah. you know monitoring this and, and being safer mm -hmm. you know he said the weak link in the in the entire automotive you know, on the, on the road is the human, right? Yeah. So well, if you can land a 747 with a computer, yeah. well, there's a ton of variables. Drive, you I can mean, probably <laughs> drive to the 7-Eleven. Yeah, so it's cool. I mean, you know, it's going to just free people up, I think. Mm -hmm. to, just think of what you could watch on your, on your windshield. Yeah. You could, like, watch the game. It would be better than your TV in the house. Yeah. There was a, we did a tour last year, and somebody was... Like, uh, just like imagine a car with no windows, right? Like, because you mm -hmm. don't need one. Who needs windows, right? Like, you're right. in a pod. Like, you know, I mean, that's pretty futuristic. A lot of the stuff seems like it's going to be a hybrid of take control if you need it, like yeah, you said, or, right. you know, stuff like that. So, uh, but, you know, essentially, you might not even need it, right? Like, you'd just be in your little cocoon sure. heading in your direction. And, well, uh, the future isn't that far. No, I no, mean, the no. technology isn't, isn't that hard to do. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we need, you know, general artificial intelligence or something in order to make an expert system that can figure out how to drive down the street. People with 77 IQs have managed to figure out how to drive down the street. Yeah. I, you know, it seems like it's actually maybe, what, five years? We're looking at, within the decade, we should be able to have flying cars right Indeed, you're gonna guarantee can you guarantee can, me I, I that we'll have flying cars? cars can you bring home a championship I would, uh, I would like one that goes in water as well since we live here in michigan water a boat car self-driving boat car you that gotta flies. Do all three right, right. amphicar of the 21st amphicar century the 21st century right this would be great land on self-driving you can land on water land on land right It'd be fantastic i wouldn't trust anybody to drive a flying car <laughs> if it wasn't self-driving yeah. can you just imagine the calamity of, of humans driving I mean, you'd be like people in your tree yeah. all the time. That just be, be like awesome. running into like, you know, your underwear hanging on the, the, in the clothesline and stuff. That's just got yeah. disaster written all over it. But it self-driving flying cars. Adding that third cars. dimension to, you know, it's like the what, yeah. X, Y, Z axis yes, exactly. to, <laughs> to somebody. 
but I, I struggle I, on the XY. I think some people, and I, I tend to agree that I don't think it's necessarily the technology that's going to be the hurdle. It's going to be Washington D.C. I think that's mm. going to be oh, sure. one of the biggest, maybe not hurdle, but at least something that's going to kind of delay things because there are some, you know, not to minimize or you know poke fun at Washington <clears throat> in general, but you know that there's a lot of things at stake, right? It's you know just the simple things like are you a driver or are you an operator, right? And you know what's recording that information, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's going to be black boxes and all that stuff, which is fine. But you know, is it state by state? Is it federal? You know, you can see how some states, this state included, would probably have a lot of lobbying power as to, you know, some of those things, right? So I think that's going to be possibly one of the biggest hurdles. Is not necessarily technology, but legislative. For sure, and I think. Yeah, you know, I was going to say cool. we're a litigious society, right? Like, oh, if, I, if I if I hit you in my car, one of us is at fault, but it's usually not one of the manufacturers right so as if the computer is in charge if you happens, hit me right, in your car it's your fault it's my fault regardless of where we were right <laughs> so uh yeah i guess if i hit you but um you know i, th I, th I think that's a whole other hurdle right like as people right. are you know people are going to say well i had my google car i had whatever and the google crashed me right and you know so i think i think there's a whole lot uh, of hurdles it's going to be a really things. huge uh, end user license agreement Oh, yeah, I accept. Every time right. you get in the car, accept. <laughs> accept. I mean, one terabyte accept. of information you have to scroll through before oh, you say sure. accept, right? Accept. I fact my But then did the other guy accept, truck right? Like, so the other guy didn't accept, then, you know, you're still in the same bind, right? Right. So, unless that person... But you could get to L.A. in five hours. Yeah. If you think about it, right. we could just get... You get in the fast lane, you go, like... 670 miles an hour. That's what Hyperloop is all about, right? Yeah. Right. You wouldn't even need that. You could do it on the on the on the freeway. You know, just don't try to merge. You know, some old lady merging into the 670 mile an hour lane. They might have to put like a guardrail up or something. I think a genius Easter egg for that. Forget trains. This would be a really good one. Now that you think about you know getting in the left lane, is having an Easter egg in all in, in certain cars where the the blinker just stays on. Right. Terrible joke. Um, so how fast could you get to Florida with your blinker <laughs> on? How far can you go without? Mm -hmm. You could be at like Disney World you, right? in Nobody three hours. Looking. Nobody would even be looking to care about your blinker. Right. Right. We'd all be on we wouldn't our, need blinkers. On our pad Where we're going, pads. we won't need blinkers. Was there any uh, any busts? Was there anything that you just looked at and said that's the <clears> stupidest <throat> thing I ever saw, or just could not believe? I'm trying to think. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing because we get the show curated for us, so oh, it's not okay. really like right. you know. Um, it's, like it's so big. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're there. We only get, you know, between our schedule of meetings and stuff, we only get probably three hours, four hours on the show floor. So we, okay. do, we do curated tours. So, mm -hmm. so I really don't see the busts. Um, I have gone through it personally a number of times, like, uh, in previous years and, and absolutely there's some crazy stuff that gets mm -hmm. made. So, um, like I'm sure a crock pot that could order a pizza. Yeah. That probably, I mean, probably 90% right, exactly. of that stuff is, you know, going to be a bust, but you know, there's people out there that you know, they're going at it. They're, you know. Trying to make the next, you know, the next thing that's going to change the world, which is, you never which know. is an amazing thing. Yeah. Time machines. Time, time machines. machines. We, that's a, that's another Crock reference. Crockpots over pizza. Time, time machines and lasers. It's all. It's a consumer electronics show, and I should I shouldn't poo poo these people and say that it's a bust. Yeah. Because you know, yeah, hey, sometimes you I never know. I mean, somebody's going to need to make right? a slipper that checks your sleep rhythms. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's you know. And I think, you know, a lot of people are building things. Uh, one of the tours, and, you know, I know you have a, a, a large, you know, startup contingent that watches the show. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the big things that, you know, 
uh, is really like the now what. You know, there's a lot of things measuring. But right. There's a huge opportunity in the now what, right, for this type of stuff. So, because you know, I don't know what 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 the heart rate means and what the mm-hmm. you know what the uh, how many steps and all this stuff in, in aggregate, right? Like, yeah, I don't know what it means, right? And as right. you get these other sensors that are you know checking your walk and checking your posture and checking your mm-hmm. all of these different things like people are going to have to come in and, and you know figure out what that means for mashups you're going to need to know like do i need to sit differently you know do i need to sit up more do i need to to walk differently do i need to go to a doctor do i need to you know what, what are these next steps personal then, data sifter yeah it's really it's really about understanding now because everybody's got all this data it's like the yeah. big data conundrum right like mm-hmm. we've got data on everything but like actually turning it into usable stuff we got lots of data we don't have any information <laughs> yeah it's hard i mean you know we've got a huge team at at work that's all they do is pour through the data to try to make sure that we you know deliver insights that can you mm-hmm. know affect how, how we go to market and and media and that type of thing and this is no different i mean quite honestly it's probably even it's got to be simpler because it's for you know america and, and mm-hmm. people who you know maybe not you know maybe aren't educated in yeah it can be know, complicated for and, japan yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah definitely uh, you know you want to make make these things actionable because people are just they're getting all this information but i think they took all their fitbits and they took all the things yeah. and they kind of put it in the drawer right now it's in the mm-hmm. you don't see them like like you did right and now they're invisible so you won't see them again but mm-hmm. but i think people have had like maybe a three-month kind of you know shelf life for that so we were you know just talking about this huge opportunity you know in the now what right it's really mm-hmm. it's that next step of just taking all this information and really uh, you know helping people decide and determine what what the next what the next step is really it's mm-hmm. it's there's going to be a wealth of information and all the sensors about your house and you know you might get data usage about you know well electricity is going this way and gas is going this way and you know all these different things but it's really about you know what do we do with that now and i think there's right. a massive opportunity like to help you know in that sort of regard but that that is exciting the now what is kind of you know certainly it's the gee whiz kind of time right now with all mm-hmm. these devices it's like holy cow but then the now what that's really exciting right because then you're and it's like now you can take all the practical applications of those things like the driverless car the technology's there but it's like okay we gotta we gotta do this and we gotta do this and Got to worry about Uncle Sam and Washington, and is this global? You know that kind of thing. But this mm-hmm. is, you know, the, the now what is a really exciting time. I mean, there's a we prob- have to find cement that doesn't break in like three years. Too. That'd be great. Yeah. I hit a pothole last night in front of uh, the DIA that I thought was going to eat my entire car. Right, you drove into <laughs> it, parked, yeah. got out, walked around, came out the other it was side. Basically, it. I thought I was buying two new rims again. Oh. So I just yeah. bought four a month ago. And now I'm. I was going to buy two more. So. I think it's Michelin. It's called the Twheel. It's a flexible, it's a wheel tire, so it's tubeless. Mm-hmm. It's like a rubber rim around this flexible rim. Mm-hmm. So if you do hit a pothole, it compresses. The mm-hmm. whole wheel, Twheel, compresses so you don't... Wow. I don't think the technology's there. I think there's some you know, handling issues, but it, that's, that's another thing. Yeah, that especially the way you drive. That would be good. <laughs> or we could just 3D print another one, right? Right. Like yeah, now you're talking. There was some 3D printing. Crock-Pot could sense whether or not you're, you need to 3D print some new wheels and just do it on the, on the fly. That'd be sweet. But it's not even flying. It's on the, on, the, on the road. Yeah, they're mixing things in with the plastic now. They had, uh, I saw a, 
a video online afterwards. I was watching CES stuff, and they put metal and wood resin in, mm -hmm. the, in there and make, made a hammer. So a rim doesn't seem that. Yeah. Uh, I know they can do metal, I think, already. We could do so it. Well, local, mo lo local Motors just printed a car, right? Was it was it at CES or was it at what show? But Local Motors is a company that yeah, basically... Yeah, it's over here. It's over at uh, North American International Shop Auto Show. So they 3D printed a car. I mean, that's another topic that kind of brings these two things together, right? And I think a lot of people are doing, you know, there's more mostly high-end mm -hmm. manufacturers like Koenigsegg, I think, is doing some 3D printing stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, as it gets more and more mainstream and more... You know, approachable. I mean, certainly you can buy a 3D printer for your home now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not that expensive. I think they're like a grand or less even probably now. Um, it was they were, yeah, well, food was a big thing there too. Like you could your crockpot could now tell your 3D printer to order a pizza or to make a pizza. Really? You didn't have to order it. So wow. they were printing pizzas. You see what he did there? Took that all back <laughs> around. So now there suddenly was, Mike's dumb idea is awesome again. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Write that down. So, Unscratch that out. Yeah, it was just uh, it would just like you know pour the dough and then put the sauce on, bake it, and right. they would have a 3D. They were serving little pieces there, and then they had chocolate and sugar food and all those sort of different things. So I guess there's gonna be a lot of food application for these 3d printers as well so um yeah it's interesting i saw a drink machine from some kids at uh at u of m flint they had their phone and they just downloaded the drinks that the, the ingredients that they had and then it had like all the little squirters in there it's awesome just made whatever drink you want and just doop, 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 doop. nice well, it didn't have crockpot technology <laughs> though so it's been kind of on hold. It's fantastic Runaway AI 3D printers. That's that's where it gets bad. It's, like it's out of control. There's uh, somebody in Terminator that could probably right. help. Or yeah. Wally meets the Terminator or something. Nice. John Connor. I think he's Connor, something think like Connor. that. In the mix somewhere. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So. What's um? Tell us a little bit about AdCraft Club in Detroit. So AdCraft is. Uh, uh, we, we like to think of it as a 109-year-old startup. So okay. we've actually been using that mantra this year. So uh, it's actually 109 years old. Uh, uh, it's an advertising and marketing club of Detroit, uh, of which I'm fortunate enough to be the president right now. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, the group, um, you know, sort of exists uh, really to it's really to connect people. At the end of the day, okay. Um, you know, they've done things in the past. Uh, you know, that are a little bit bigger i mean we've really been focusing on the membership right now so mm -hmm. uh we're close to 2,000 members oh wow we'll probably be a little over 2,000 members it's a very yeah it's a large club uh we've had some fantastic speakers uh we work on different projects to educate the community so we mm -hmm. do uh we had who do we have this year we had dr oz uh we had cheryl sandberg from uh facebook we had uh, jonah peretti the ceo of buzzfeed uh, so we've had a lot of you know high profile yeah, speakers uh, this year yeah it's pretty inexpensive i mean lunch is usually like uh, 35 bucks including lunch and you get to meet these people and mm -hmm. talk to them uh, we've had some big crowds you know we do social uh, you know events too we mm -hmm. uh, have different you know sporting leagues and we have uh, you know a lot of different things but um, you know essentially the club exists to really connect people uh, as a, a networking organization uh, here in Detroit that's cool yeah it's, it's a lot of fun it's a, club. a couple of innovative people there yeah there's a lot of innovative people there Speaking of innovation, you know, as a as an agent, as an agency, I'm I'm guessing you probably deal with a lot of startups. We do. Or people who are in, you know, ad tech or some sort of media thing, and they're trying to pitch one of your clients, and they're basically going to you to pitch to the client. Yep. Um, is that is that fair yeah, characterization of how, yeah. how it goes? How does, uh, you know, there's a lot of startups in Detroit now. Um, how do they go about 
coming up with a good way to pitch you. Uh, when they, what's the way that they shouldn't do it? Too? <laughs> the way they shouldn't do it. The way, <laughs> the way they shouldn't do it is come in completely uninformed and ask us how it all works. So okay, that's really that's, well. We'll do that now uh, so that they don't have we'll do to. We'll do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the big thing is, is like we're just usually, you know, we're looking for solutions to problems, right? Mm-hmm. Like so for for us, it's you know, there's marketing problems, there's you know, advertising problems, there's you know, we do everything from you know, CRM based, you know, advertising targeting all the way to big brand Super Bowl type stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we do kind of cover the spectrum. Uh, but the more educated somebody is about, you know, particular initiatives that we have coming up, the easier it is to get them in front of the right person. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times people are very passionate about what they have, uh, which is awesome, and they have to be persistent. I uh, I implemented a sign in at our front desk with, you know, to kind of help track uh, more for like phone numbers and stuff, but people sign in on an iPad and it goes just to a, a Google account. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we get, I think it was over a seven month period, eight month period, you know, we had 1400 different companies come through our office trying to sell GM marketing or advertising services, essentially. So that's, that's, that's media. Wow. So that's 1,379 more than I thought. <laughs> I think yeah. I was nine of those so right. companies. That that I if you sign in separately <laughs> for each of those, it's, you're probably right. nine separate ones, but right. I mean, three, the, three of them were crockpots. Yeah. At the end of the day, we only have a couple hundred people there, uh, you know, with all finite resources too. Right. So, so it's tough. Uh, we do make a really strong effort to um, try to see everyone though I mean mm-hmm. at some point um, it's uh, we've organized ourselves in a way that sort of streamlines that so uh, we, we essentially make uh, 26 categories of media so like sports and news and weather and all that sort of stuff uh, then we have another set of categories uh, like mobile and uh, you know privacy and different types of things that people uh, become experts in so, so you got like 26 so kind of like going a, this way and yeah. how many going this way? Uh, about 14 going that so way. 14 so 14 times mobile, 26. Social, yeah. So you should probably know if you're in the, uh, well, some people the do online crockpot uh, yeah. coordinate <laughs> yeah. and know. Well, it gets complicated, yeah. It's a complicated right, exactly. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm right. making fun of the crockpot again, <laughs> but it's kind of true. I mean, yeah, there's, no. there's, it, that's pretty complicated. That's that's a lot. I don't even know what the math is on that. Do we have an app for that? Nice. What's 26 times 14? I think I, is it Chisholm Bob? Is that what this is? When you do that with your fingers and you add it up, it's 1400. I think it's it just comes lot, right yeah. back to 1400. Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a lot. So I think mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the way that you know people could really uh, help is by having you know a strong solution that they know meets a problem we need. You know, ask around. I mean, the people who represent mm-hmm. companies all talk to each other. Um, they've got groups, you know, ad, network at AdCraft, like meet people and understand what's going on. I think mm-hmm. is, is first and foremost, you know, have a strong solution, a, a, a differentiation, understand the product well enough to know how it's going to help us. I think all of these are, these are, so you got to you know, do your homework work. and be, you know, be brief. Like, you know, I think it's, you know, there's, you know, uh, you don't have to fill up an hour meeting if it's, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a, I mean, some of the best presentations I've ever seen are three minutes long, and I get it. Like, I'm like mm-hmm. yes, I need that, you know? Yeah. So, you know right away, you know, and if, if you know, the person you're presenting to probably knows right away if, if they're supposed to be meeting with you or not, or they know who to get you to. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're not that big of an organization, but we have, you know, a couple hundred people there that are right. meeting with, uh, you know, uh, vendors and, and publishers and, and companies like that. So, um, just being very focused, knowing, you know, you know, it's you know i think we want to be respectful of each other's time mm-hmm. so you know if you i love the elevator pitch when people know their product so well and they're like i know you have this problem i have this solution here's how i'm different than my competition 
and here's how we can do business together. Like, I love it. Like, I'm like fantastic. Because our job essentially is to spend money. Like, mm -hmm. it's, we have to spend money. So uh, we have to get the yes. word out and we have to be the steward, you know, the most responsible stewardship of General Motors money as possible. So, mm -hmm. um, so we, want, we want to be innovative. We want to try new things. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just be very focused. And it's not always a match, you know. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, some people are, you know, either so, so excited about what they have or, you know, really need to sell something for, you know, the right. management or whatever that they just go down the list and really try to get any meeting they can. Um, and I don't think that really serves anybody, you know, because it, it's like be focused, know, mm -hmm. what, know what problem you're trying to solve, and then, you know, get in there and solve the problem. Like I think a lot of times, I think especially it's harder on smaller companies, like bigger companies can afford to, you know, give some services away or, you know, mm -hmm. do something like that. Um, but, you know, GM's one of those companies like, well, prove it to us. You know, we've got all these people telling us they can solve all these problems. So, right. You know, small tests, you know, like, you know, some very small tests or a lot of times people will do things for free and then we see, hey, that really did work. And then, then we buy more of it, you know, and, mm -hmm. we, and kind of have to prove ourselves. So, um, you know, those types of things, if they're... Uh, they're not always free, you know, like that's another thing too, is like, you know, somebody comes in with something like, I want you to test it for free and, you know, but in, in order to test it for free, it's going to take all these resources because, right. you know, they don't know in, in how time. to implement anything. They don't right. know how to do, you know, work the system. So it's not always free. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of has to be work. It has to solve a problem in order to be worth it. In order to, to so it's probably it. much more difficult for the two guys in the garage, <clears throat> not just for the two guys in the garage, but for you too, because yeah. they're. You know, we might be kind of klutzy about it. For sure. So, yeah. so there's a lot of effort that has to go into, you know, guiding people through. Yeah, and if it, if it solves a problem and we know we can scale it, you know, like mm -hmm. we absolutely will invest the time there. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes things are very early, you know, when, when we see them. Um, and it's, it's just tough. It's an education. We have to spend a lot more resources. We might spend 20 times the amount of resources to get that ten thousand dollar thing or you know mm -hmm. off the ground than we would for a half a million dollar campaign but if it's the right thing to do we'll absolutely do it um but you know we, we definitely uh are, are careful about you know how we how we deploy our our, mm -hmm. our our you know resources on that is it usually stuff that you're sort of like oh we got this big long list of things we're trying to solve or how often is it where you're just like oh my gosh i didn't even know we needed that look huh? at that I had, it's a little bit it's of both. It's a flying crockpot. Yeah, it's a flying crockpot. Who knew? Um, most of the time, we have a pretty good sense of uh -huh. where the problems are. Um, and I, don't know, I say problems, but I think it's opportunities, really. Like, sure, so, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a nascent space. Like right now, you know, I, I mean, the talk of, of you know the ad world is, you know, what are we going to do about uh, viewability and you know bots and all of this mm, stuff, right? So yeah, oh my gosh, so, yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of fraud on the internet mm -hmm. in a lot of these places. Um, you know, it's not necessarily in anyone's best interest to clean it up because people are benefiting mm -hmm. from it, sure. except for marketers, right? right. So marketers right. are the ones that are, you know, essentially funding all this. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was um, say they're the ones footing the bill. They're the ones footing the, the bill. Footing Everybody the bill, else is yeah. having a party, but yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this type of stuff, uh, you know, viewability of not seeing the ads or, uh, you know, ads loading behind the pages and things like that. Iframes and whatnot. Iframes and, or, or it's just the, you know, it didn't scroll down. It just, you know, mm -hmm. it's down at the yep. bottom. Um, so click know, fraud's like a big thing at the top. But yeah, I mean, GM, GM really doesn't have a big appetite to pay for that type of stuff. Uh, you know, viewability, it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, the industry's trying to change uh, to be more proactive. Mm -hmm. you know, all the organizations are involved, the IAB, the, um, you know, all of them actually. So, uh, 
it's it's just those things. So like those are the types of things. Like when somebody comes in with a solution, there's there's already 15 companies that are working in that space, right, or more probably. And viewability. And and all the yeah, fraud detection, detection and, and bots and you know that sort of stuff. Um, so it's you know. It's and yet it's with, still uh, a problem. It's still a problem. A lot of those companies make money off of each and every one of us in the in the chain, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of cutting it off at the pipeline as it comes in, but mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm saying. The economics of this are not right yet. So the marketers all have to band together on this one and, and make sure that I, I don't think it's in anybody's best interest, honestly, long term. So um, you know, hopefully the the, the publishers who um, you know, have more to lose by this, I hope they kind of you know band together on this. How do how do they do that? How do I mean that's a that's a really interesting. You know, obviously the publishers have the, 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 the it's, it's in their best interest, but you know, it's like, it's hard to even figure out half the time who's making money on these, you know, is, is it just people who are setting up botnets and then setting up blog nets and then using, using the network traffic yeah. and popping all this stuff up? You know, it, I mean, it's just, it's like crazy. It's like, how in the world is there an entire industry that it's gotten so sophisticated on, it looks you know yeah. more and more like humans and now it, you know right so yeah it's it's it just has to get cleaned up i think uh you know there's not a lot of is there anything on the on, on the horizon that you see now that's actually effective that's going to make a big uh sweeping change to clean yeah. that up yet? No, I, yeah i think i think you know the holding companies i mean most of the the power in the advertising world resides in the holding companies because mm -hmm. they aggregate their client dollars together and they, there's four or mm -hmm. five companies that essentially run advertising, you know, the WPPs and, mm -hmm. and you know, Dentsu and all the different places, IPGs right, and IPGs. And, yeah. um, but, you know, these guys are serious about it. They, right. they you know, there's no, there's no uh, benefit, you know, for, for any of them and, and their clients. And they're, they're mm -hmm. like I said before, each of them is responsible to steward their clients' money in the best sure. way possible, right? So they're putting the pressure on the publishers saying like, you know what, we're not going to pay for that. We're going to mm -hmm. hire one of these third-party companies to tell us whenever it happens and you're not getting money for that. So mm -hmm. so for these guys to manage on their end, you know, their their financials, they want to have a good idea of what's coming in too mm -hmm. for, for each quarter, right? So um, I think it's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to, you know, the, the, the holding companies really pressuring uh, these organizations. And some of them, you know, are, are trying to set the standards right now. Um, you know, I, I for one and... and, and I believe Kara really doesn't think that some of the standards that are being set are, are strong enough, right? Like 50% mm -hmm. in view for one second on the the IAB standard for display ads. I mean, it's a, you know one second, half it's over, right? Like mm -hmm. it's just not it's not enough. Like you're paying you know good money for that ad, and it needs to it needs to uh, be visible. So mm -hmm. we're doing a lot of work on that. We've got a ton of research going into it. You know, we're trying to, you know, essentially we're probably going to set our own standards around what we believe that we should be paying and what we believe that we should hold others accountable to. So because at the end of the day, you know, we've been giving money for a while now and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's, we're, we're uh, you know, buying media on, you know, believing that it's in front of the right people at the right time for the right reason. And if that's not happening, then we have to do something about it pretty drastic. So, uh, so we're going to be pretty pretty bullish around that this year so uh, a lot of conversation a lot of publishers right now and and to be fair i mean you know i i think most of the publishers really want to fix this i don't think they're the, the really um you know up the, the the publishers on the up and up really mm -hmm. aren't benefiting from you know i mean they benefit but they, it's mm -hmm. not what they want to be they don't want to be 
you know, in that business necessarily. They want it cleaned up. Most companies do. Um, so I think all of them working together, you know, somebody's going to invent the, the perfect thing to clean it up or, you know, whatever it is. And if not, it's just going to be pressure from for a while. But the publishers probably, I mean, the legitimate publishers probably aren't the major source of, no, no, of, yeah. of it anyways because yeah. they have no... I mean, it's not like they're like, oh, yeah, we got this button. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get pull this one yeah, all no, around. No, that's no, not no, it. That's it's, not the, it yeah. it's the rest of the whole ecosystem with the networks yep. uh, showing up on these obscure, you know, Russian blogs at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, for sure. 50% of And you could eliminate ads. a lot of that. I mean, the, the bigger companies, because we have, mm-hmm. you know, fraud detection services and we have blacklists and we have mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, it, it needs to be cleaned up. It needs to be cleaned up quick. And I think the industry finally is kind of moving in that direction, maybe, albeit not necessarily fast enough. But um, but it's going to take big companies with, with clout in the marketplace like Ford and General Motors and, and Chrysler here in town to, to make that happen. But, you know, collectively, they spend a lot of money. Um, you know, the other holding companies have been pretty vocal about, you know, not wanting to pay for that type of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so you know, those are those are the types of places that, you know, Technology, there's huge opportunities, right? Like for you know individuals to come in and fix you know big problems that we have and and that type of thing. And if somebody's educated about the market, mm-hmm. they know that's something that we're fixing. So if they're mm-hmm. in there and they say, hey, you know what? Our inventory is 100% viewable. This is why it's it's native. It's only on the load. It's you know whatever it is. Um, you know that's great. Like come in and know that that's a problem for us and something that we want to you know address. And mm-hmm. come in and tell us about you know what you have. So. Yeah, it's similar, and, and just in the spirit of disclosure, one of the one of the companies that I represent is in that space, in the mobile space, right? Uh, the the one of the the problem, if you will, is that half of mobile clicks are accidental or fat finger clicks. Sure, so you're on a, either a, a website or a mobile app, and you fat finger click. So you can see the conflict, though, of publishers who have been saying, "Hey, but my CTRs are awesome," or my you know, I look at all these clicks I'm driving, or my click volume is awesome. But in the case of mobile, mobile, uh, mobile clicks, half of all mobile clicks, according to I think it's Price Waterhouse, Coopers did a study a while ago. So, you, but on one hand, you have publishers who are like, "Hey, look at these awesome results." Some agencies, some of the feedback is, um, "Well, our clients like the the metrics that they're seeing right now." Not not your agency by any means, but we've heard that kind of feedback from an agency who's, you know, kind of mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, we're sh- showing some good metrics." Well, the metrics that you're showing are artificially inflated because of this this fat finger phenomenon. So, it's it's a it is a problem, but it's like it's you can see the inherent conflicts, you know, because it's sure. kind of a three legged stool, right? You have the marketer who likes it because it's more efficient, whether it's bot detection because they're getting more bang for their marketing buck. Agencies, um, you know, they're doing a service for their clients to limit, help eliminate their problem. But you know, you know, I'm not I'm not picking on publishers, but that's you know, that needs to be collectively. I think to your point, needs everybody needs to work on this. Yeah, solution. and I think there's always going to be you know some challenges, but it's how we get around those. So you know, somebody who mobile and video are tough to to measure in some of these instances too. So the way that certain you know mobile vendors serve their video and you know mobile, mobile and video are, are a lot more difficult than display to to um, to measure this way so uh you know there's a lot of opportunity for people to come in and, and fix big problems that are you know industry-wide so um so yeah i think like you know just to wrap that up i mean really just know what you know try to try to learn what the problems are mm-hmm. learn how that solution 
you know relates to the problems or where the where the biggest opportunity areas are it's uh you know it'd be like as if you're going for a job search it's it's a, just as a metaphor right like you're not just going to spray that you know resume everywhere right like and that's i think some people some, do some people do right <laughs> like if hopefully you know you had you, probably less i knew I, you knew you wanted to be in marketing you mm -hmm. know where the marketing companies are like go focus on that and really like make it shine over there and then uh you know and be persistent i mean some mm -hmm. of it you know Sometimes, you know, people are busy and there's only so many hours in the day. and It's probably and hard to get through. You know, you've got, you got a couple hundred people with uh, 2,900 uh, people trying to get through. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, it's, you know, and that's part of why we've tried to, tried to organize that way, too. Mm -hmm. So I know when I get some sports site that I've never heard of, and I think we have you know, 50 different support sites, you know, that are ESPN and mm -hmm. CBS Sports and then a bunch of others, right? Um, but I know I can send them to Nick, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know Nick's the guy. Nick, you know, Nick will meet with them or at least call them and say, yeah. hey, I'm Nick, I'm at the least guy. check it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, here's what it is. And then those people, you know, from all these different places know Nick's the guy, at least, you know, to start with. And then, you know, from that standpoint, then they can go, you know, try to, you know, talk to Buick and Cadillac and General or in, uh, GMC and, um, you know, all those different mm -hmm. groups, but at least they know they have a guy that can kind of help and, mm -hmm. and steward that. Whereas or if, at least say no. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes, you know, if we're a big company. If, if there's not a really, you know, important audience that they have that we can't get somewhere else, you know, like we were more of a reach, you know, mm -hmm. larger, we saw a lot of cars, right? So, um, you know, we're probably going to buy it from the ESPNs and probably going to buy stuff from, you know, some of the larger partners well, mm -hmm. until somebody gets to a point where, it's worthwhile to take that on and, you know, or differentiates himself enough that it's not just redundant audience that we're buying, you know, duplicated mm -hmm. from ESPN and CBS and the other right. places that we buy, right? They may have a fantastic blog and we can do great content or something like that, but if it only reaches, you know, 100 people a week, it's, it's not, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah, so, sure. so yeah. there's a scale piece of it too, right? Mm -hmm. One is, you know, it's, it is a delicate balance between, you know, finding that innovative solution to, to a problem, but it's also, does it scale, right? And that's, you know, something that I imagine that's it's challenging for you. One of the biggest challenges is, like, hey, this is really cool, but it's only going to reach five people or whatever, yeah. right? And it's kind of a double-edged sword, too, because, you know, sometimes I'm using the, the sports analogy, but sometimes it's a technology. Like, there was a company I just met with that <clears throat> does really cool overlays over video in, in different regards. And, uh, that, you know, that's, I think it's a couple guys. It's not, it's, it's nothing big, but it was something really cool that I knew an immediate application. So I sent it over to the you know, team and said, hey, these guys are really new and, and there's, you know, it's gonna be, you know, difficult to get it going, but like, go check this out. And then, you know, the guy that saw it was like, wow, that's really cool. I'm gonna go talk to those guys. And, you know, so that type of stuff happens too. So, um, so, so when, I, it, when it's just a couple of guys <laughs> like that, Obviously, they don't have a huge uh, support structure there. Um, there becomes a little bit of there's risk there. Mm -hmm. How do you you know do you do you pair them up with with other companies with other things? Try to you know if you if they've got something that you really want, how do you go about working with a company that's just two guys? Yeah, I, is there a? I mean, you know, for us, I mean, we we would want to execute. You know, sometimes, you know, we'll we'll you know. I mean, most of the things we do are fairly large, so mm -hmm. those guys are going to get, you know, maybe fifty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars out of this first campaign to, mm -hmm. to test it out, right? And so we want to test that for those guys. That's like scale, like you know, mm -hmm. that's gigantic, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, whereas you know, for us, we're used to scaling much larger than that, so we're kind of like doing it as a test. But you know, they're like 
you know, this is like the, the whole company's focused on making this happen. Right? All, like all, all three of them, you know, or whatever the number is. Um, but Battle stations. <laughs> everybody get there, right? So, um, but, you know, I hope they scale. I hope it's successful because then we'll run it across multiple divisions and we'll, we'll keep growing with them, right? Mm-hmm. And we've done that with numbers of partners like, you know, General Motors and Ford and all these different places like they really help you know a lot of small businesses like mm-hmm. get on the map and then as soon as somebody gets that slide there's always a slide in the back of the deck that has everybody they're working with like that you know the blue box or that Chevy right, right. is going to be right front and center and then they go everywhere else and say hey I got Chevy and then and then other people who know we have a pretty rigorous vetting system for, right right for our clients uh, they trust it more you know so a smaller you know company that doesn't have the resources that, mm-hmm. that you know like a Kara or or another company would um, would definitely, um, you know, they would just trust that, oh, well, General Motors is running there, you know it's probably good. So uh, so there is hope, I, I think. So I think the short story is there's hope for smaller companies to, mm-hmm. you know, innovative companies who have a solution that, for number sure. one, fits a, fits a niche or solves Indeed. a problem. Yeah. Um, but then, but then you, you that kind of conflicts seemingly with, you know, fewer partners, bigger budgets, fewer partners, right? Because, and I think that's... A, a trend that's been happening over the industry over the last couple of years, meaning instead of working with a hundred different vendors, you might pare that down to 30 because sure. it is challenging from an agency or marketer standpoint to manage those relationships. If you have hundreds and hundreds of relationships, really challenging, but you know, it's, so it still sounds like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hope for small companies yeah, uh, for I, innovation. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of that consolidation too has been, um, it's a lack of differentiation, right? So it was, 200 sports sites but you know what you really only need two or three mm-hmm. and when you buy that two or three you covered 95 percent or of ad the, networks for example right <clears throat> or ad networks right like there was 400 and however many ad networks at right. one point right and there were a lot of them were just some of them added value and i think there were some you know some larger ones that you know they had proprietary relationships or first party deals that they either got better inventory or they had ad units that you couldn't buy somewhere else but you know the long tail of that was probably people just buying in the exchange, right? They'd, they'd get an RFP, they'd go in, they'd bid, just the same. There was no differentiation. They would say it's their technology or whatever, right. but mm-hmm. it's all invisible to us. And right. all you can look at is the performance, right? right. So, um, or it was invisible. It's gotten much more visible over the years. But, um, you know, it definitely, you know, I mean, it, yeah, I think there's, it's, it's just shaken out, you know, I think is what's happened. So I think if somebody had a really differentiated product, they're still doing well. Like I think, you know, some of the ad networks are doing really well still. Mm-hmm. So uh, the ones that really had a, had a differentiation and a strong business, uh, I think they're, you know, they're definitely doing well. The guys who are just, you know, turning a piece of paper around, buying and selling back, like yeah. they weren't adding any value in the chain. And I think they're, uh, you know, kind of going by the wayside. It's like marketing one-on-one <laughs> almost. It's the unique mm-hmm. selling proposition or, you know, relevant differentiation, right? Yeah. If, if relevance is great differentiation is great but you know a square wheel is relevant or is differentiated but not very relevant is what I'm saying square wheel. but you have to have those two right so it's like you need mm-hmm. selling proposition so it's marketing <clears throat> one yeah so what's going on in Detroit you guys are down here yeah I mean a lot let's look out the window <laughs> I mean we got the, the M1 rail in we got tons of people running around starting startups yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs. I worked either full-time or kind of on a consulting basis with some really cool startups. You know, I've worked in the mobile space. You know, I mentioned the, the mobile technology company. They're not based here in Detroit. Um, but, you know, like next door, are you human? I think they're doing some really interesting things. Mm-hmm. 
for, you know, it's, it's a, I think it solves a big problem, right? When you log into a, you know, a ticket site, for example, you know, you have that squiggly line where you can't figure out what the heck that is. So, I mean, those guys, that was the premise of their solution. Like he was logging into a large major ticket site that shall remain nameless and he gets the squiggly lines and you can't figure out what the hell it says. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you want to throw your freaking, you know, your laptop out the window. But these com these guys came up with a really elegant solution to a huge problem. Yeah. Right. And it's basically, you know, you kind of gamify that solution to prove that you're a human mm -hmm. so that you're not a bot back mm -hmm. to kind of that fraud detection. So it kind of solves that problem. You know, there's a lot of innovation over there. Bamboo Detroit, Pony Ride. There's so many cool things going on in the city, the least of Beard which bomb. is what you see. Beard bomb. Guys, those gangster bears. That's the real stuff, though. <laughs> that's, that's like organic. I wonder how long know. that takes to grow it out that far. It takes a long time. Yeah, this yeah. is, you know, I'm trying. I'll get there. I know you're you going to get there. It's like going to be, you know. Years. My strategy is going to like when I I'm going to try beard, to do a train. I'm going to do a comb over. That's what I'm. That's where I'm going with this. Is the beard is going to be a comb over? Maybe the beard balm will keep it up there. It's a beard balm comb over. A corrective comb. We over. are making nothing off of this beard balm comb over. Uh, it's. We just like these guys and their beards. We I'm, CES. I of the couple of articles that I read, and you know, it seems like Oculus Rift is kind of a there's a lot of talk going on about oculus rift and you know more and more applications and within the last month i saw a company here actually based here in detroit that had an oculus rift and they're they're building some games and you know for one of their clients is one of the automakers here in town but i was just you put that thing on for the first time yeah it's amazing it, it mm -hmm. is it's incredibly immersive and i know the, yeah. the notion of virtual reality has been around since jaron lanier you know 25 years ago yeah. right but it's been how about that obscure? Where did that come from? He, wow. Nice guy. He's got <laughs> like speaking Wikipedia of incredible beards, yeah. doesn't he? Doesn't he have like um, dreads on yeah, his beard? I mean, that's that is a man's beard, right Dreadlocks, there. Dreadlocks, yeah, yeah. So VR has kind of come a long way, and I think you know it seems like the guy who put this thing together now sold for what was the number he sold it to Facebook for? It was two billion, I think. It was, it was yeah, a lot of zeros. Lots, lots, yeah, yeah. lots enough of to not care. Lots of Kickstarter, right? What did it start? Yeah. Out? yeah. But I think that the applications for that, again, it's like a great idea. And, and it's kind of now, it's at the now what phase, right? And people are starting yeah. to figure that out. I mean, from, did you see a lot of that out at, uh, at yeah. CES? Yeah, that, that, was, that was a big talk uh, about CES too. Samsung had a, a whole display and section. You could do mm -hmm. different, uh, uh, you know, uh, experiences with their headset. So we went in and tried, uh, tried one and it was a, um, Cirque du Soleil, so like you put it on your face and you'd look up and the you know Cirque performers would be twirling above your head and you'd look to the left and there was like a, a whole row of performers on each side and they would kind of interact with you when you look over mm -hmm. they'd look back at you like you know it was wild so uh, but yeah you look you turn all the way around and you're in this vacant auditorium and it feels like you're sitting there it was and that's the Samsung version which you know is, is at least the way it's written about is not quite as good as the more powerful. That just works off a phone. It's not off a right. computer. Right. Now, what's the one? Is it called? What's that thing called? Box or something? You can get Google Box. It's basically a, mm -hmm. cardboard. Yeah, cardboard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I think of you know that's that's another one that's you know first of all it's cool. There's so there's a cool factor, but it's incredibly disruptive, right? If you think about mm -hmm. did that just kill IMAX theaters? Is that gone? I mean, it's not that great of an experience. Like I've, I've used right that now. one relative to to these other <laughs> ones, you know, either Oculus not or card, not cardboard itself, but yeah. just that but generally that, that technology. Yeah. VR in general. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's you know, mm -hmm. the, I mean, home, think of theaters, right? How much, yeah. how disruptive that could be. Just like, are we really watching a movie on a flat screen? You know, yeah. just this flat. 
Mm-hmm. I think all the way through, though, I mean, you know, a lot of these guys, their strategy is to, uh, you know, put you front row at a concert or to put you mm-hmm. on the court in the basketball game or, right. you know, I mean, like it just changes things. And it's until you experience it mm-hmm. and everybody's kind of like gets this gaming mentality or something, it's it's the real deal. It's like, everything, is, right? They could, they could have mm-hmm. camera. Where do you want to sit? You know, if you're like, if you're, they have, right. the, you know, the cameras. You, you buy one ticket at a concert, stick a camera in there, and then you could resell it for nine million times. Yeah, probably. The only thing that's missing is the high fives when the Pistons dunk the ball or something. Right. Uh, it's pretty. Does much, that ever I bet happen? That would probably happen. They'd, somebody <laughs> would code it in there. You, right. know? you could get, you could get, the, you could get gloves. <laughs> the data gloves. Right? You get Lanier's <laughs> data glove, right? Haptic yeah. gloves. There you go. That's it. That's what's next. Haptic it's all haptic. It's all haptic. Now. Yeah. Forget it. VR. Well, that's like that's old news. That's that's obvious. Now you got to have the haptic high five. Yeah. 